You've played the missions. But do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 148, recorded July 12th, 2022. The topic for this episode is going to be Voices of the Haunted, Part 1. In case you haven't been able to tell, I'm going to be your host this time. I am Elamist. And my name is Rendell Zevis. Hello, Elamist. Hey, feels like it's been forever. Right? Uh... So most people have been able to figure out by this point, uh, there is no Orchid this week. No, there is no Orchid. There was an incident where she wilted a little bit, I guess you could say. (laughs) Ooh. No, in in all seriousness, she ended up in a situation where she got pretty bad um, heat exhaustion. So we're just giving her the night off as we damn well should. And she's just taking some time to rest, so I get to step in. Again. <laughs> hey, I love having you here. At least someone does. Fuck. <laughs> we get to goof off all the time. Oh, Christ. Uh, so we got some podcast info. We encourage feedback. That can be sent to us on Twitter, at Guardians underscore lore, at Hey It's Orchid, or at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can email us at Guardians underscore lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. And if you do, let us know about it. We like reading it. Oh, do we like reading it? (laughs) We like reading the praise and and constructive criticisms. (laughs) Is that what you call it? (laughs) When it's constructive. (laughs) Um, You can also jump into our Discord. The invite is down in the episode description. But if you want to just type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we appreciate it tremendously. Absolutely. Again, I said this last time I was on, but thank you all so much uh, for everything that you guys do for us. It literally is one of the things keeping us here. So thank you. Absolutely. So this week at Guardians of Lore, the Twoggle, we have nothing written. (laughs) what do we what is the summation of what we have for this week (laughs) the square root of fuck all (laughs) for anybody who's who's really been paying attention to the podcast i've been absent for like the last month off and on Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of that has been because of a move um orchid had a move recently so like life has been hectic and now yeah. <laughs> we're trying to find normalcy. Yeah, see, I'm the only one who didn't move, and I'm hiring a contractor to put an extension on my house. <laughs> well, la-di-da, you have a house. Um, <laughs> so does Orchid. Oh, uh, Christ. Anywho, um, but no, so so I've I know I've been out of touch with a lot of what's been going on in destiny. Like I've, I've been logging on weekly to play the story, but I haven't 
grinded a whole lot. It's It's been nice not feeling the need to make Destiny a, a second job. <laughs> and sometimes that's all you need, really. Just avoid the burnout just by taking a little bit of time away. Obviously, it's, in your case, not intentional because, I mean, hey, you were... You're moving and upgrading from being a swamp monster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still a swamp you, monster, but at least I have a view. No, 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 no. You're a lake monster now, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the views you've sent me or anything to go by. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have been trying to... to at least keep up a little bit of what's going on. So the story for this season has been amazing. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. The grind, not so much. And we could sit here and talk about the grind, but that would be us and every other Destiny podcast. So let's move right Right, on. right. Uh, so, Rindle, what other stuff has been going on in, in Destiny since I've been you know, oh, somewhat out right. of the loop? You missed one of the biggest stories in the last couple of weeks um so as you recall funny enough an episode wherein i we myself and orchid were hosting uh we were discussing a incident wherein there were a lot of dmca takedowns that were being placed on youtube channels of destiny music archives and at the time we had thought that there were you know possibly a player or two involved in fraudulent DMCA takedown notices. You know, almost immediately we all thought, yeah, there's no way Bungie is doing all of this. I mean, that just takes all the goodwill that they had done and just throws it all away. Well, within the last couple of weeks, they found out who it was. Now, bear in mind... I'm not going to say names, and the only reason right. I'm not is because what this individual did is reprehensible, and I'm not going to give them a shred of attention for oh, it. Oh, absolutely not. In referencing, in referencing them directly. So, absolutely uh, not. So, yeah. Suffice it to say, if, if you can do a little bit of search, you can figure out who it is if you really want to know. But... The lawsuit that Bungie filed has been updated. It is 134 pages. And for reference, my first job was prepping legal documents. (laughs) So so I read every page. (laughs) (laughs) They are looking to hit this sad sod for what really ends up being a grand total, and I can scarcely believe I'm saying this, of $7.6 million. Damn! Ooh. <laughs> oh. I just felt my my wallet, like, shriek. Oh, right? Yeah, mine was just quivering in fear. Um... <laughs> But yeah, this is very, very much a case of, as I'd like to put it, to fuck around as human, to find out is divine. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so the one th- that was a trip. <laughs> the one thing I do want to add on, um, even if people do Google to find out who it is, do not engage with the person because that could actually cause problems for the lawsuit itself. Absolutely. Very much second that as, you know, somebody who is at least somewhat familiar with trial law. Just leave it alone. Let's just sit back, grab some popcorn if you wish, <laughs> and watch the fireworks go. Pull up a seat, pop some popcorn, get a soda, have a time. Oh, this gonna be good. <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, kudos to uh, the Bungie team for actually legitimately doing some excellent um, digital detective work to try to get this all worked out um, and actually breaking the absolute Byzantine YouTube procedures uh, to actually get the information that they needed to do so, because holy shit. If, if I remember the term correctly, it was Byzantine Labyrinthian. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping that YouTube and by extension Google, because they are, you know, they own YouTube. Right. I'm hoping that they take a look at the process itself. You hope so, but let's be realistic, it's probably not gonna happen. Yeah. Uh... Man, it, it seems like YouTube is just going down the drain. YouTube has been going to shit since about twenty 12 i think at least i think honestly that's probably when google bought it out (laughs) damn you google right i'm enjoying watching this play out like fuck whoever it was that that did all this because they mess with people's livelihoods Mm mm-hmm they mess with livelihoods and genuinely just the idea of the fact that some of these people, even if they weren't do if they weren't affected in the case of livelihood, like some of the you know people that we mentioned, like um archival mind and Lorcanosi and folks like that, just yeah. the fact that you have years of work that just got flushed down the toilet because one guy decided that he was gonna pull some shit ah. <sighs> And if I remember the manifesto that he sent, it was literally just to prove a point. Like, it it was to prove that, you know. Or so they said. Or so they said. Right. Right. Like, in their mind, they're playing the white knight. But fuck them. And can I make one additional point as uh, being me and talking about operational security last time out? My guy didn't even start using a VPN until the first round of these things went out. You fucking kidding me? Because, <laughs> mm. b- yeah, for anyone who's curious, you can read all of this within the legal documents in excruciating detail. <laughs> oh, that's how Bungie figured this out. <laughs> I need to pull this up now. Mm hmm. That's going to be bedtime reading. Oh, it's glorious. <laughs> but you know what else is glorious? This Lord Network ad. I was going to say, if this was a Joshua Weissmith video, this is where he'd go B-roll. But I guess, yeah, Lord Network ad is glorious as well. 
The Lore Network. Have you ever wished that someone could just read you the lore? Destiny Lore Audiophile may be just the podcast you've been looking for. Join us as we bring the stories of Destiny to life with straight readings of your favorite lore with no analysis or commentary, or as we breathe life into these tales with acting, sound effects, and music. Currently, you can find Destiny Lore Audiophile on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes at Destiny Lore Audiophile. Audiophile is spelled with a PH instead of an F. You can find both readings and radio dramatizations of selected lore books and web lores by talented voice actors from the Destiny community. Episode releases will be announced from our Twitter pages, at HeyIt'sOrchid and at RendellZivas, so be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single performance. See you there. So, how was that ad? Ah, such a lovely ad. Did it make you grow fat from strength? I mean, I knew that I grew fat from something, but God, I didn't know strength was it. I mean, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I have missed this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Brief intro to the topic. Uh, This is the lore book that supplements the weekly seasonal story. And because of that, we'll be covering the seasonal story as well. Each entry for the lore book is unlocked by listening to the radio that's right next to the Crown of Sorrow after each weekly quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you've put them off until now, essentially you can just run right through the entire quest and then sit there and listen to all the, the radio messages. Oh, and, so, and they, they're all just... Mm. Especially the last one. Oh. Oh, that last one. <laughs> like, I'm I'm interested to see where things go. Yeah, especially because, I mean, we already had... We had the idea that they hinted at this season within, like, Vox Obscura and so on. Yeah. And in retrospect, we're going to look at whatever happens in the next season and go, Oh, of course, but... There's the now, hints. This is the equivalent in the lore of what in Formula One is called the silly season. The silly season for the uninitiated is that point in time, kind of, you know, during the summer break, half the season's over, you've seen some action on track, and people already begin to theorize about who's going to be moving where. Is this driver going to be retiring because his performance has been a bit shit? What about this up-and-comer? And in a way, we're kind of in the same place. There's this thread with Drifter that they could potentially tug on. Hmm, but they've been doing a lot of stuff with Keitel recently. What about that thread with Zivo Roth that we haven't tugged on for a little bit? Hmm. And let's not forget the fact that we've got Mars back and, you know, we have a a lovely little yeah, a Russian yelling robot that, uh, <laughs> Sorry, AI program. 
<laughs> who hasn't been heard of from a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of places that the lore could go from go to in the next little bit here. And yeah, we'll of course be waiting for the confirmations, but God, it's fun to theorize in the meantime. Oh, it is. So going back to the current story, as we're experiencing for this season, let's go ahead and get started with our first section. So the first week, uh, we found the Leviathan parked by the moon. We investigated it and found that Callus is trying to draw power from the Lunar Pyramid. The Guardian, Zavala, Crow, and Eris perform a ritual to sever Callus's connection, causing nightmares for Zavala, Crow, and Keitel to form. We head into the Leviathan to help Crow with his nightmare, but he fails to cleanse the nightmare of Aldrin Sav. And this is the first lore book. Temperament. Crow drops a wet canteen at Eris Morin's feet. Water. You made your return quickly. Eris crouches, hunched over bundled splints of pine arranged atop a thick log and resin rubbed moss. She strikes a well-worn flint with her knife, and flame ignites. You're not hard to spot at night. Crow averts his gaze from Eris's sideways glare and looks up to the haunting glow of the dark shard of the Traveler. Shivers convulse down his vertebrae, and his eyes drop to the freshly popping wood. Eris breaks the silence. Why did you volunteer for the severance operation? For most operations. To make a difference where others can't. Same as you. She shakes her head. No, Eris mumbles. Crow watches her deftly coax the fire, considering the answer he'd given. He looks out to the distant tree line and changes the subject. There are still a good number of hive here, but no nightmares, Eris remarks. Is that why you brought me here? This isn't a place I want to revisit. Crow steps back from the growing flames. When Eris doesn't respond, he asks his real question. Why did I fail? You didn't fail. Our strategy was flawed. Eris stands, stowing flint and blade, then steps in front of him to meet his gaze. We will attempt the severance again. Soon. Yeah, Crow replies in a clipped tone. Eris tilts her head, and he can see the green orbs narrow beneath her blindfold. She points to the ragged, mountainous shard twisting in Twilight Royal. Even that toxic piece, separate from the Traveler's purity, can be wielded for good. The fire roars. He kneels to break her stare and warm his hands. I know what it can do. I used it 
when the Red War left guardians lightless, there were some who reclaimed their callings here. They reforged their bond to the Traveler through a scar, a lingering trauma, she continues. Eris sits beside Crow and drinks from her canteen. Crow braces for her to continue, but she does not. The bundle of burning kindling collapses into a heap of cinders. Flames spit between the gaps, and ash drifts on heated air. I'll get more wood, Crow says, hastening to step out of the fire's glow. Crow. Small fires like this kept me alive in the Hellmouth. I did not have the luxury of more wood. Eris grips a piece of rusty rebar taken from the sludge and thrusts it into the sputtering fire. She stirs the cindering wood, opening new gaps and concentrating the larger pieces over a pile of glowing kindling. The flame surges and heat intensifies. During these long nights, we must make use of what is available to us. She knows he understands her, but hasn't accepted the lesson. She hands him the bar, shows him how to maintain the fire's heat, how to find worth in the remnants, how to rebuild from the ash. The pair converse as they take turns keeping the fire alive long into the night. The warmth soothes, their shoulders lighten, and Crow pulls back his hood. When the fire finally dies, Eris gestures to the embers. Now you can fetch more wood. Crow smiles and gets to his feet. Eris, did you ever try to get your light back? The past is not for dwelling. Crow nods and sticks out his hand. She looks at it inquisitively. Come on. Eris stands next to Crow. He clasps her palm and ignites a golden gun between their hands. Solar flame dances across Eris's fingers. Crow guides her arm and lifts the gun to the sky. He inhales sharply howls before cracking a shot through the clouds. You're up, Hunter. Eris depresses the trigger, slowly, doubtful that it would fire. A second solar streak pierces the atmosphere. Crow laughs. They send round after round skyward, howling pent tension into the night, until finally, even Eris finds herself smiling. I like this entry. I really, really like it. But like, I, I'm, I'm also looking at it from the perspective of like, these are two characters that haven't had a whole lot of interaction. And we're starting to see that, that relationship build. Yeah. It's still nice, though. Just even just the whole idea of Crow having just come off of the back of 
what he sees is this big failure. And for Eris to look at that and go, well, no, our strategy was kind of wrong with this. You know, it wasn't just you. There is a very, there's a lot to be said of the way that Eris is handling this whole situation. Yeah. Hers is not to throw around blame. It's to say, okay, well, in a way I can use this as a bit of a teachable moment, even with maintaining the fire. And and the big thing for me is the fact that, it, like you said, she's she's not pointing blame at anyone. She's like, okay, we failed as a team, not you know you failed. Yeah, exactly. And see, now I'm I'm starting to think of like these are two candidates that that people have talked about being Vanguard mentors, and like. With this scene, I can see that for both of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, now that now that Crow has Aldrin's experience, you know, deep in his mind, um, I, I can I can somewhat say, OK, he is now on the table. Yeah. Eris, I've I've said for. I, I've thought it for a while that, you know, she would be perfect for it. Yeah, maybe. My money is still on Crow for Hunter Vanguard, though. It, now and the, that, fi- and the yeah. final piece of that, in my opinion, is going to be him looking at that experience as Aldrin and going, hey, I mean, if you want to get technical, I fulfilled the dare, so... Right. <laughs> oh, that would be such a punch to the nads and yet I could see him taking it on also just for the fact that I mean think of the way that hunters generally approach the idea of being vanguard it's like nope get me the fuck out of here well and, and there's also the fact that we have dialogue of of Crow in game saying, you know, I'm going to try and make up for the mistakes that Aldrin has made. Right. And what better way of doing that than to take over the position willingly that some many people would say, oh, you robbed us of our vanguard. OK, well, I will simply be a new one. Yeah. And, and like he'll still face, you know, resistance, but. I can see that being where they're going to take the character now. Like, I can see that being a possible end point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But over all of this, over all the speculation that we've had, just that moment of Crow igniting a golden gun and letting Eris feel that once exactly. more. Oh, Right, like oh that, god, that's such a beautiful moment. That is going to be the the thing that I take from this entry is just him lighting up that golden gun and being like, "Here, oh god, that's it's gorgeous. I love it. It is it's so good." <laughs> so you want to read the next one? Yeah. So this was week two. 
uh, we head into the Leviathan to successfully cleanse the Nightmare of Uldren. And the actual title of this entry is 2. Death and Desertion. How many Torun? Kaido asks wearily. An air of palpable tension permeates the room. In the time since the Imperial fleet had formed a blockade around the Leviathan, three separate frigates had defected to Kalis' side. A fourth has just followed suit. Kaido began this campaign with fire in her heart. Now she feels only cold and tired. A total of 250 soldiers, Empress. Tarun answers. We must strike! Ka'arg shouts suddenly, slamming his fist on the table. Anything less will be seen as a sign of weakness. A clamor ripples through the rest of Kaido's advisors. Only Valis Forge remains silent. Inaction is anathema, says the Arak. Our warriors long for the glory of battle, not the dormancy of a blockade. Even if it means fighting for Kallus, sneers Ka'arg. He spits the name as if it were made of bile. A bitter fury builds in Kaido toward her father. He had ushered in an era of decadence that left the Cabal military dull and complacent. She had sought to be a different kind of leader, but her people remain adrift, this time among the stars. Perhaps her defectors prefer the pleasure of certain death over the agony of uncertain survival. Or perhaps she is merely the next in line to lead the Empire to ruin. The Leviathan reappeared with no warning. Kaido declares. We do not know what else lurks beyond our sight. Our blockade may soon see more battle than we bargained for. Until then, we hold the line. She speaks in a tone that brooks no argument. Her advisors leave the room wisely keeping any further misgivings to themselves. Saladin nods to her, as if to say he and he alone agrees with her decision. Kaido can only wonder if she agrees with it herself. <sighs> so, all of this infighting within the Cabal, and bearing in mind this is before Keitel has any involvement with the ritual. Yeah. Because her nightmare being created was kind of an accident. In a way, yeah. Um, essentially, it was uh, the four of us. Eris, Zavala, Crow, and the Guardian. You know, our Guardian. Right. Sitting down for the ritual and and a nightmare of Gull just kind of formed for 
Keitel. And in some way, you can kind of see the effect of it already in this piece of the lore. The whole way of nightmares, I think that uh, we discussed this in the Trespasser little lore, is the idea that a lot of it seems to be born out of you know negative emotion. The idea of regret or something else um, that's really kind of standing in your way. I think a lot of that we can kind of see in the duality dungeon, actually. Yeah. Which you would know all about because you uh, spoke about it at length. (laughs) Twice. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and I, I do agree. Like nightmares are created from negative emotion and that can be seen with the nightmare hunts from shadow keep. Mm-hmm. All the hunts are actually named after a negative emotion like anger or insanity. But then you can also see that this season with the sever missions. Right. There's always a negative emotion one and then a positive emotion one that follows right after. And that's primarily because the the negative one, we don't. Like, we don't cleanse the nightmare. And then the positive emotion one is where we actually go cleanse it. Exactly, yeah. But just the fact that it appears, like, if you really think about things in that context, perhaps uh, Keitel's nightmare has not interacted with her directly, but there is still a lot of that that you see bubbling to the surface right now. She is unsure of herself um compared to the kind of person that gall was as a leader a lot of her uh soldiers are defecting to callus's side so at this moment in time she's putting on a very strong front you know she is cabal they eat the mountains they drink the sea all of this And yet you can tell that there is just this uncertainty that she's feeling, even right at the end. She's not sure if she agrees with what she's actually said. Yeah. And and I mean, that's that's what the nightmares do. They start picking at you mentally to try and, and wear you down. Make sure that you are uncertain of decisions that you're making. You know, you're not sure if you're making the right decision by doing certain things because this this manifestation of your negative emotions is telling you you're doing things wrong. And oftentimes with the face of someone you dearly admired, someone who was very close to you. Yeah. Or someone that haunts you. Yeah. I mean, we see that with Crow. We see that with Crow. Uh, in the Trespasser lore, we see that with Ikora. <laughs> oh, that one. That one just tore at my heart. Oh. Hell, we see that with Zavala. Yes. Oh, Zavala. Speaking of Zavala, do you want to continue on? Yeah, let's keep going. So now we move on to week three. So week three opens with a cutscene about Zavala's life before the last city. We head into the Leviathan to help Zavala with his nightmare, but he fails 
to cleanse the nightmare of Sethia, his late wife. And the name of this entry is Memento. It is quiet in Zavala's office, save for the sound of clinking as the tiny steel pendulums on his desk swing back and forth, hitting against each other. Rahul once told him they were a Newton's Cradle, a pre-Golden Age relic named for one of humanity's greatest scientific minds. The trinket is all that remains of a life's work lost to time, consumed by the collapse in the ensuing Dark Age. Like so many other things. As he stands at the window, brooding in shame and guilt, as he silently contemplates the Traveler, Zavala hears a knock on his door. Come in, he calls over his shoulder. A moment later, Amanda Holliday steps into the room. Dark circles frame her eyes, and her shoulders slump with a weight unseen. No nightmare hovers behind her, hounding her every step, but she seems haunted nonetheless. Zavala is certain that given his own ordeals, he must look much the same. Hey, Amanda says, quietly, as she crosses over to his desk. She leans against it and joins him in looking out over the city. They stand in silence for a long time, and watch a small fleet of civilian ships weave its way between the buildings. The clicking of pendulums marks the time as it drifts past them. Last city, Amanda murmurs. Wish my folks had lived to see it. As do I, Zavala solemnly replies. You would have liked them, Amanda says with a sad smile. Stubborn as they were kind, they gave everything to make sure I reached the city. Bravest people I've ever known. Devotion inspires bravery, Zavala says, almost absently. He turns from the window and glances at a low shelf, where a cracked white mask is displayed under glass. Bravery inspires sacrifice. And sacrifice. His voice quavers as it trails off. Is worth it for the ones we love says Amanda. My parents didn't have the light, and they had me. She meets his eyes, her own filled with a light all their own. We can't all live forever, but being remembered? That's the next best thing. Amanda laughs and sniffles at the same time. Didn't mean to talk your ear off. Sorry about that. Don't be, Zavala replies with a small smile and a sigh of sadness. I just wish I could return the favor. He moves from the window and leans on the desk next to her, gazing out at the traveler in the last city as they settle into a comfortable silence. The pendulums on his desk continue to click and clack. 
the echo of a life lived long, long ago. I feel really conflicted about Amanda. You feel conflicted about Amanda? Shit. I mean... Because, <laughs> like, she has these moments, like in this entry, where she's an amazing person and, you know, you want to hear more and you love seeing her interact with the characters. And then you get stuff from, like, last season where she's just... <laughs> yelling at crow and and like she's yelling at him just for being him i'm just thinking back to what orchid was sending us in our group chat earlier that's that was a lot of what i i was going off of because i mean i i do agree with her orchid (laughs) we have a group chat (laughs) and we were talking about the episode and orchid made notes and one of the notes was something to the effect of you can't have an amazing scene with zavala and and you know be an all right person if you're gonna yell at baby crow and this is after she had wrote aw frowny face and had to comfort zavala sort of she says remembering is good. That's really nice. Right. <laughs> and then the next is get wrecked, Amanda. Go fuck yourself. I forgot I'm mad at you for this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was an interaction between her and Crow that I I may have missed. If any of our listeners actually knows of this interaction please send it my way um before he got the you know aldrin's memories just thrust upon him but like i feel like the 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 two characters were starting to become friends and then all of a sudden he got aldrin's memories back he was still trying to process he didn't tell her and she got pissed because he didn't tell her who he was Right. Because a lot of their interactions were back when he still was wearing the mask. Oh. That makes sense now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no way she could have known. And then, of course, mask off and suddenly, oh, shit. Um. (laughs) Right? Right? All of a sudden, mask off and she's like, you killed Cade. And that's all she can see at this right. stage. Right. And, and like, I, I don't blame her for that. But at the same time, it's like Crow is a different person. At the same time, Amanda knows about Guardians. She knows how Guardian Resurrection works. She knows that Guardians don't have memories of their past lives. Even if he has, you know, memories of being Aldrin. She knows damn well that Crow and Aldrin are not the same damn person. Right. But it boils down to trying to overpower the subconscious. And I I don't know if she's going to be able to do that. Like, it, it's... Yeah. At that point, like, it, it's an underlying prejudice against the person himself. Like, the, the body. So, like, I, I, I don't know. 
it's a peculiar situation. And I love seeing it develop. <sighs> and and that's the other thing. Like she got mad at him because he was still trying to process it. He didn't know before then. So like he had known who, you know, his past life was for all of maybe like a month, maybe. And he didn't tell her. And then that happens. <laughs> right. So I'm I'm sitting here like, okay, I, I, for this one, I am siding with Orchid. For like, this one? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was Team Crow back before he actually had a name. Yup. <laughs> and it's funny to see Orchid's, like, views on on the character and his situation just turn it's it's the pulp pork situation all over again <laughs> it i it's so funny to me <laughs> uh so it goes so it goes but getting back to the entry um <laughs> I got so sidetracked there. I apologize. Um, but getting back to the entry, like I, this is one of those scenes that I actually really like her in because she brings that, that humanity to the guardians. Right. And it's through a lot of different things, just kind of you know, not, not, not sauntering. And why was I about to say that? Just coming into, Oh, that sounds even worse out of context. <laughs> That's staying in the episode, by the way. Yeah. Um, or probably not. <laughs> the way that she enters Zavala's office and just casually just leans against the desk and takes a moment and just starts talking. Not like, you know, she's speaking to Commander Zavala. Just she's talking to a friend of hers. And that's it. Exactly. There's something kind of refreshing about that. And just remembering her folks. And even just the fact that you can tell that Zavala is about to go on the speaker's whole thing of devotion inspires bravery, bravery inspires sacrifice, and sacrifice leads to death. And she just cuts him off and changes the trajectory of that. To say, and sacrifice is worth it for the ones we love. Right. It's that different perspective of taking things that could be seen as totally fatalistic and spinning that into a completely different light. In a way that I don't think that Zavala would naturally go to that conclusion, not at least at this point in time. No, I, I don't think he would. Um, especially with the fact that he's had such a long life. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. He wants to protect people. That's really what Zavala is all about. That's a central core tenant of him. Yep. That's why, like, the first couple times we've actually seen him use light, he was a, de a defender popping a bubble. <laughs> like it's it's 
he is the kind like he is a titan through and through put yourself between the people who need protecting and the danger you are the wall exactly but sometimes walls need maintenance yeah <laughs> yeah they do Savala needs a sick day uh, Zavala needs a sick week. You fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, right? After all after all of the shit he's been through, my god. I mean, I'm pretty sure they would allow you know two two weeks worth of sick days per year, and you know, <laughs> as of all doesn't give a shit. He'll just turn it. He'll just sell the time back and get it that way at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see him selling back like 13 days and taking that 14th day as an actual leave day and just sit there and knit <laughs> like I could see that this is my therapy just <laughs> <laughs> oh man well should I continue yes let's go ahead and have you continue Okay, this is going to be our last entry for the night, slash morning, slash afternoon, slash evening. Um, <laughs> so, for week four, we headed to the Leviathan to successfully cleanse the Nightmare of Sophia. The lore entry is titled, Four, To Forgive or Forget. Nick tells me you have a question in need of an answer. Mithrax begins. Please sit. Amanda nods as she pulls up a folding chair next to the fire. She hadn't been back to the Elixni Quarter since the Vex invasion. The light from the flames casts flickering shadows across the building's cracked concrete and exposed rebar. Yeah, Amanda says quietly. I, uh, it's about Saint, sort of. She takes a deep breath before continuing. Everyone in the last city knows the stories. Hell, we used to call him Kellbreaker. And Cr she stammers, avoiding the name. I've heard what your people used to call him, too. Mithrax hums a gruff assent as he settles into his own chair. Amanda wrings her hands together. How did y'all forgive him? Her voice sounds small, but her words pierce the cool night air. Not all of us did. Mithrax replies solemnly. To this day, there are some in House Light who avoid him. Those who lost loved ones to his rage though he would give his life to protect them. Nothing he can do will ever erase their pain. So they'll just go on hating him forever? Mithrax exhales deeply into his rebreather. One cannot choose who forgives them and who does not, he answers. That is the decision 
of those who were wronged. A choice each must make for themselves. Amanda nods to herself. Was afraid you'd say something like that. She remarks sadly. As she gets up to leave, she turns to Mithrax one last time. What made you forgive Saint? The Kell of Light leans back in his chair and stares into the fire like he is looking for something amid the ashes. Because, he says quietly, I want to be forgiven too. Going from one extreme on Amanda to the other, (laughs) the next entry. I love Mithrax. Oh, that that just that hit my heart. And I just picture him like on a folding like beach chair or something. Is that weird? (laughs) Like he's just opening it up and just kind of slouching back in front of the fire. Well, I mean, it 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 said Amanda, you know pulled up a, a folding chair and he pulled up a, his own chair. So, I mean... He's just got one pair of his hands folded up on his lap. The other's just... His shoulders just kind of <laughs> around the back of the chair as he's just looking into the fire. <laughs> and he, And he's getting all pensive and like deep in thought and everything. Mmm. That's my kill of light. Uh, now where is Varex with those eyelashes? <laughs> <laughs> Up on Europa. Um Varex must look pretty, yes. <laughs> oh god Varix oh, is still awaiting an answer on his query on vending machines guardian <laughs> oh man oh, oh. the game before we get too far off topic. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Um, but in a but, way, despite what we're saying with Amanda and all that stuff, it's just the idea that the fact that she's even coming to Mithrax for this. Right. It, there's something to that where it just kind of makes me feel like. Maybe she is trying to see if she can move on from Crow or try to get things back into a different direction, maybe. Yeah. Well, because, like, at that point, she's drawing parallels between, you know, Aldrin Sov wronging every person at the tower and Saint wronging the Elixni. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, they're legitimate comparisons, but but it's still I, also kind of bullshit that 
he gives that answer of just saying that there are those in house light who avoid him. Then like her conclusion is that like, Oh, they'll just go on hating him forever. And Mithrix kind of answers to the affirmative. And Jesus kind of goes, yeah, I was afraid you might say something like that. Like, no, you should be aiming to try and forgive. <laughs> well, and, and I, I can understand those elixni like i i can understand where they're coming from because you know if if somebody came up killed my brother and then you know a couple years later i was told make nice like i i would have a hard time with that but it's very different just for the fact that in the case of the elixni it is literally the same person Crow and Aldrin share a meat suit, and that's about it. Yeah. That is all that is all Crow is, just Guardian and an Aldrin Sav meat suit. Yeah. <laughs> Gross, but yeah. <laughs> uh You can blame Sammy for that one. <laughs> see now now I'm just thinking like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like I, I th- this is going down a road that I don't want it to go down. Um, it puts the lotion on the skin. No, it gets no, it the doesn't. Hose again. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but no, like I, I just I, I am so on the fence about Amanda right now because like. Like you said, we go from one extreme to the other. Literally entry after entry. Mm-hmm. But I'm 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 willing to sit through and and you know wait to see how this actually plays out. And so it shall in time. Tell yeah. maybe even next season nah, going back to the, the lore silly season. <laughs> Well, because, yeah, because, I mean, last season she found out. This season she's trying to deal with it. So, like, reconciling might be next season. Maybe? I just want my boy to be happy. (laughs) Right? Like, he's had such a rough life and he's only a couple years old. Yeah. Crow has gone through some shit. (laughs) Like, if anybody wants to argue that point, like, just go back and listen to A Tangled Web. Like, that... Oh. Oh. Just the first entry of that. Oh, my God. There's a titan that just wails on him until he has, like, a broken pelvis. And, like, it, it was verbal gore. Like, it was... I, I'm imagining all this happening to Crow, and I'm like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. It it was like written torture porn. Like, it was, it was not okay. Oh, no, but, my boy. <laughs> but, like, it got the point across. Yeah. Good God. So I'm right there with you, like... I just want Baby Crow to be happy. I I want Crow to be happy. I want Osiris to wake up. 
Because you've got the bird family right there. <laughs> How did I know that that's where you were taking it? Orchid's not here, so I gotta work on it. I had to be the one to bring it up. Like we need, we need, we need the bird family, the pigeon, the phoenix, and the baby crow. Like, come on, it writes itself. It does. It really does. We just need Saint in the kitchen making pancakes. Oh, because you know he would make some awesome pancakes. <laughs> you know those would be awesome. <laughs> or absolutely terrible. <laughs> like, it's going to be one extreme or the other. <sighs> I am sorry. This one is slightly burnt. I was looking over results from trials of Osiris. <laughs> Osiris just kind of leads in knowingly from the next room, like... <laughs> I told I you to rename it. <laughs> I keep telling you to rename them as the Trials of Saint-14. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring to it! <laughs> <laughs> And all of the things we offer as prizes are already filmed after you anyway. <laughs> I'm not very good with stencils. <laughs> oh my god. They vetoed my, my request for paint. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we oh. have gotten derailed. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Rindle. There's destruction all around us. Millions are dead. Because <laughs> it was a massive derailing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Bit pancake like a bird. Uh, <laughs> Rindle, oh. shout outs. <laughs> um, you know, I am I'm actually going to go ahead and shout out Orchid. Uh, just cuz she just does amazing work with this podcast week after week. Just the fact that she's so dedicated. So willing to share her thoughts it's refreshing in a way and just want you to know that we miss you and we're looking forward to having you back next week absolutely as for myself uh actually i want to shout out both of you oh you guys like my life was hectic and it, i had boxes all over my living room and like I was still figuring out how to deal with all the moving and being a you know a full-time boyfriend on top of that and working throughout the entire thing like my life was hectic as hell but you guys kept it going Words cannot describe how amazed I was and how much or how thankful I am. 
Oh, so, so nice. So, like, seriously, thank you both. Hmm. Especially considering, and well, a little bit beside behind the scenes action for you, um, the last episode with Trespasser, I had to record twice on my end. Because the first time I messed up my mic input, so I redubbed the entire episode. <laughs> well, you did a good enough job. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Yup. I can just, I can't see you, but I can kind of see your your eyes going, what? <laughs> <laughs> or at least my good eye, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> so this is the part of the episode that we'd like to give a special thanks the audio for this episode was produced by Rindle Zevas that's me you can find him on twitter at Rindle Zevas the artwork for this episode is courtesy of Volshock B you can find him on twitter at Volshock B the music in this episode is copyright Bungie we're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. Oh, God, do they love their content creators. We know they, that full fucking well now. Yep, they are willing to bat for their content creators. Ah, so refreshing. <laughs> right? If you'd like to dive into Destiny Lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They're the resource we use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. And final reminders. You can find us on Twitter at Guardians underscore lore, at Hey It's Orchid, at I underscore am underscore Elemist, and at Rindel Zivas. You can email us at Guardians underscore lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. And if you do, let us know about it. Good or bad. <laughs> we'll uh, see the bad ones anyway and we'll just yeah, roast them MST style <laughs> oh god uh, you can also <laughs> join our discord the invite is down in the episode description but if you want to just type it out it's discord.gg slash lorehub if you'd like to support the podcast you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore Every little bit helps, and we appreciate it tremendously. So, Rindle, say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodnight, Elmist. Good night, Elmist. There it is. <laughs> that felt good. <laughs> you don't even get Orchid going. <laughs> that was like an itch that I needed to scratch that I didn't know I needed to scratch. Oh, feels good, doesn't it? Oh, that does. That that really does. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Take care. Otters. Are wet. In water. With their modern fodder. <laughs> <laughs>